0: Now let's listen to a great program.
1: Well, you're all in for a very special treat this morning. Donna Ross is a credo Catholic who strayed from the church for many years before she realized what she was missing. A powerful call from the Holy Spirit brought her back to the church with a new appreciation for her faith. She has shared her conversion of heart on programs such as St. Joseph Catholic Radio, WordNets from Kingdom to Kingdom, and Women of Grace. In addition, she has hosted the Magnificat Proclaims, a radio series that features testimonies of Catholic women from around the world. Now, Donna attributes 48 years of praying for her father, for his reconciliation with the Catholic Church, and for her mom to become Catholic. She says, Never give up hope. Today, she's going to be sharing with us an exhortation of the ministry. She is the coordinator of the Central Service Team, and I'd like to introduce to you Donna Ross. Good morning everyone,
0: brothers and sisters. God bless you. Here we are. I know it's been a sacrifice to be here this weekend for many of you, but I also feel like God is rewarding you for your yes. It seems like this has been a very blessed time for most of it. I was asked to give an exhortation to the ministry, and I thought Okay, what was I just voluntold for? (laughs) So I thought, I better check this out, right? Okay, we want to make sure what exhortation really means. Because I don't know about you, but when I came in to the Charismatic Renewal, they were using words that just were a little strange to me. So exhortation, I remember being one of those. And so I looked it up, and it says the biblical word often used instead of encourage is exhort. And that definition adds even more emphasis. Exhort is defined as to strongly encourage or urge someone to do something, having a sense of pushing forward. As we're packing up and ready to head out to go back home, it's like, what should I strongly encourage you to do? And it came like, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Whoa. Okay, if we got nothing out of this weekend but do not grieve, the Holy Spirit. It's from Ephesians 4, it says, with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then uh, in Thessalonians, Paul instructs the believers, rejoice always. Haven't we been hearing about that joy this weekend? Now, you have to keep in mind, you know, these talks are not done while we're here. We do these, you know, months ahead, weeks ahead, and whatever. So I always love how the Holy Spirit knows the program. And he puts the words in here and you're looking at it like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you know, rejoice always. And then it's pray without ceasing. You know, we know this scripture. And in all circumstances. And this was one that was a little difficult for me when I first really kind of got it. In all circumstances give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, you really need to start getting it to appreciate that. And to really understand what that's saying. In all circumstances, good, bad, whatever, we're supposed to be given thanks. I was looking up some different commentaries preparing. And Paul has an opening exhortation. He says about to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And that's from ephesians 4 as well and then paul goes on to give specific ways we grieve the spirit which is kind of like bad behavior (laughs) okay and he says that get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior when we fail to be kind to each other tender-hearted and forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We fail that, we are failing. And so, again, we were talking, remember, about the gifts of the Spirit and the virtues that when people describe us, that's how we want to be described with joy. And with love and generosity and patience, and those are the things that we want to be known as, not these other things of bitterness or slander or whatever. So it helps us to stay on task. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us we are his temple and we don't walk in the holiness and love of christ and in harmony with one another's when we don't we grieve the holy spirit with our sinful thoughts and behaviors so this is like we always need to be on good behavior don't we that's who we're called to be mary was certainly on good behavior her whole life i have to think because she was sinless now we have a little challenge there where we're not sinless we're born with that original sin but the point is, she's our model, so we need to follow her in all of these ways. Grieving the Holy Spirit, it says, is similar to quenching the Holy Spirit, and that both of them, the grieving and the quenching, negatively impact us and the church and the world. Stifling or suppressing the fire of God's Spirit that burns within every believer. We don't want to stifle, do we? If anything, we want to rise up. It says the Holy Spirit desires to express himself in our actions and attitudes. When we do not allow God's spirit to be seen in our behavior, when we do what we know is wrong, we suppress or quench the spirit, and we don't allow the spirit to reveal himself as he wants, which again is the love. It's the joy. It's the peace. It's the forgiveness. We could repeat these things over and over and over again, but we'll never repeat them too many times, will we? Because we need to hear it. We need to be reminded because we have all this noise that tells us otherwise at least in this day and age. I don't know what you're tuning into, but there's a lot of noise out there that's a huge distraction for us, isn't it? Both quenching the Spirit and grieving the Spirit hinder a godly life. In these commentaries, it was saying both happen when we sin against God and follow our own worldly desires. The only correct road to follow is the one that leads closer to God and purity, which was interesting the way it combines it in these commentaries, closer to God and purity and farther away from the world and sin. We should not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit by refusing to follow his lead. So we need to get clear in our mind, who are we following? I urge you to really remember some of the talks that we've had this weekend, which have been wonderful. Janice talked about the anointing and the swagger, but <laughs> she talked about that anointing. And not only, do if I remember the exact words on her slides, but each of us have that anointing. But not only do each of us have it, but remember what she was saying about the duty, the duty to move forward and act on that anointing. And then Carol was all about the falling, the falling of the Holy Spirit and being open. So we need to remember that. So the thing is, too many times I've heard over the years I just want to say, please don't be embarrassed by being open to the Holy Spirit. Too many of our chapters, God bless you, it's like, well, I don't want to come back to that meal because they, you know, they do things I'm not comfortable with. Haven't you heard that? The point is we don't have to come before those people when we're before the, you know, the pearly gates. We have to do what we feel God has called us to do. Please don't be embarrassed to be open to the Holy Spirit. We probably have all heard people say that they're uncomfortable with some gift of the Holy Spirit, but we can't forget that we are called to be like our lady, humble, trusting in God, and obedient. You know to his will in our lives do any of you truly think that god would give us gifts that were not for the good of his body of christ okay i mean when you just think about it it, it's logic god's pretty smart He kind of knows what we need. I have to say, it reminds me of a time when I thought I was wiser than Holy Mother Church. And I'm not proud of that. But nevertheless, and I don't say that certainly in any kind of an arrogant way or whatever. But, you know, sometimes we think we're too smart for our own good. And I didn't necessarily make the best choices at a time. But contrary to public opinion, I realized the church was not a cafeteria-style church. Okay? We don't pick and choose what we want to believe and act upon. And the truth is the truth. And so I was very fortunate that God got my attention. He was merciful. And here I am. And I'll be forever grateful for that. But I want to tell you a story. Okay, I haven't really ever done this before in a little bit of a talk. I feel like it's almost like a modern-day parable. And so I'm going to say this is once upon a time. This is a story I ran across about an abbot and a monastery. And I think as you listen, you might be able to see our ministry in this particular little parable. For hundreds of years, there was this monastery, and the people just flocked in all the time because it was like the epitome of the joy and the peace of the Lord and the light. I mean, it, the people just loved it. They went to this monastery to be filled, right? The abbot, God bless him, he, he was getting a little sad because something wasn't right anymore. There, there was something wrong in the land of Denmark, as they say, right? And people weren't coming anymore. Things things just weren't the same. He told the brothers, I guess there was a very wise hermit, and people would come and go to him for wisdom. So the abbot decided, this isn't going well. I'm going to seek out the hermit and see what he has to say. So he went on his little adventure to see the hermit. And so when he arrives, the hermit is there to greet him. Now, the abbot thinks this is probably going to just be a couple days, maybe three days away. He's told his brothers. And in the early days, the the brothers would have been concerned about the older abbot. They probably would have offered to go with him on the journey or uh, just have more concern about the whole thing. But they weren't. It's like, okay, go do your own thing. We're going to stand back here. And then as he was going to depart, they said, well, who's going to be in charge while you're gone? And he says, I'll leave that up to you. So the brothers, I guess, immediately got into argument as to who was going to be the authority when the abbot was gone. The abbot leaves, right? He goes to see the hermit. What happens, his heart, I guess, as he was traveling was really kind of anxious. And uh, each time he, he was kind of thinking about what was going on, he was getting more anxious. But he finally, he got to where he was to be. He thought that Uh, as he was journeying along he said that it was more important for him to have meaning in life he said he feared the torture of a life without meaning and I thought that was kind of interesting so when he came to the hermit he said that he wanted to ask him some questions so he did he asked him three questions the hermit standing there and apparently they had been old friends but The abbot hadn't shared that with the brothers. As they sat over, I guess there's a beautiful lake there, and it was all still and glassy. And so they're just kind of sitting there in like a deep peace, focusing on the lake. As the story goes, it says the lake was still and clear. The surface was like glass, and the sun was reflecting perfectly on the water like a golden disc. And the abbot was mesmerized. So the hermit began to speak. He says, the God is the sun. You are the lake. And when your soul is still and clear, you reflect the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of God to everyone you encounter. So as the day goes on, though, the wind will pick up and the lake will be full of ripples. And you will barely be able to see the sun's reflection in the water. So the two men, they walk back. The abbot described what had happened at the monastery over the past several years to the hermit because he had said, you know, let's just go to the lake first and then we'll talk about your problems later. So the hermit listened closely and the abbot had uh, asked him the, the questions about what wisdom do you have for us? How do you rejuvenate the monastery? How can we best serve the people who come to visit? The hermit said, Well, that's not one question. That's three questions you just asked. But he says, I'm going to answer you with one. He said, Go back and tell the brothers, the Messiah is among you. The Messiah is among us. So, what can that possibly mean? The abbot mumbled to himself. But as he walked slowly back down to to the monastery, the words started to take root, it said for him. So back at the monastery, the monks at this point were growing a little concerned because it wasn't a couple days he was gone. Evidently, he was gone for several days. So they actually created a little bit of concern about him. But as he was coming back, they saw at a distance visitor uh, they thought might be coming to the monastery, which at that point, I guess, was unusual. But then they recognized that it was the ab. As he g- gathered them all together in the chapel they noticed the abbot was radiant. They thought he looked 10 years younger. Isn't that interesting? So the monks said they couldn't remember a time when he seemed so fully alive. They got with one another and shared, and he mentioned what the hermit had told them. They were asking you know, what wisdom did you bring back for us, abbot? And he said that the answer to his three questions that the hermit said, go back and tell the brothers The Messiah is among you. Well, it says the monks were astonished. And from that moment on, they looked at each other differently. Now they began to treat one another differently, like in being kind to one another, being considerate to one another. They were trying to figure out which one was the Messiah. Don't you love it? And so there was this renewed kindness. And they had a profound respect now for one another. So as the time passed, the abbot noticed different things. Little, little things where the brothers now were praising one another, they were encouraging one another, compassion was now part of it, forgiveness, and they were, it was just a different environment. So guess what started to happen? People started to come to the monastery because the light of Christ was there, and they were recognizing it, and basically there was a rebirth, a revival, if you will, at the monastery. Isn't that beautiful? So the monastery, it it was flourishing again. So here it had been at its height, died out, came back, and the whole difference was the Messiah was among them. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it's like it just touched me. I think that what I sensed when I was reading that whole thing was, isn't that exactly what we're about, who we are? It's kind of like our story, that that's our service teams. That's who we are to our people. When we know that the Messiah is among us, our behavior is different, isn't it? Our whole attitude, our whole approach. People want what you have. If you don't have anything, you have nothing to give. The little story just made such a, an impact on me. And so to me, I'm hoping that we always feel that the Messiah is among us. We can't be truly effective until we model ourselves after Our Lady. And I love Father Tom, how he calls her Ma affectionately. I also was reading in preparation and such for the conference, one of Matthew Kelly's latest books is called Everybody Evangelizes Something. I don't know if you've heard about that one. But the thing is, we're not going to evangelize something if we aren't familiar with it, let alone like it. You're not going to recommend a restaurant or a good movie or a a good doctor. You're not going to recommend anything if you don't feel good about it. We, it has to start with us, the me, myself, and I program. We have to have a relationship with the Lord that we feel good about him and us, that relationship, in order to share that, to pass it on. I love the license plate. In fact, a dear Magnificat sister sitting here has one on her car, but the one that says, no, Mary, N-O, Mary, N-O, Jesus. But no Mary, K-N-O-W, no Mary, no Jesus. I love that license plate. And isn't it so true that Our Lady's first responsibility to us is to take us directly to her son. If you listen to St. Louis de Montfort, 33 Days to Morning Glory, St. Maximilian Kolbe, all of them, Pope John Paul II, it's all about Our Lady taking us to her son. Why is Jesus so important? Sometimes we just miss the obvious, don't we? Why is he so important? And it says in John 3, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. That is important. I think, don't you? But whoever disobeys, and another translation is rejects, okay, the son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is a simple truth, but with huge consequences. Faith in Christ is the key to going to heaven, a place where I hope we all want to be for eternity. There was a message from Medjugorje in August, and it says, Dear children, In this time of grace, I'm calling you to prayer with the heart. May your hearts, little children, be raised in prayer towards heaven so that your heart may feel the God of love who heals you and loves you with immeasurable love. That is why I am with you, to lead you on the way of conversion of heart. And thank you for having responded to my call. It's always about conversion of our hearts, isn't it? We have to have the desire, though, to change our heart, to have that conversion of heart. Desire is a very important thing. We don't talk about it much, but if you don't desire something, you're not gonna aspire and go in that direction. Don't minimize that. And I know, I've been there, done that. I know it's also not a once and done process. Until the Lord calls us home, and we're standing before those pearly gates, Every moment is a choice, isn't it? Every moment. That's probably why. Again, one of Matthew's uh, Kelly's books, the recent one called "Holy Moments." If you haven't read that one, it's which he describes as a single moment in which you open yourself to God, you make yourself available to Him, you set aside personal preference and self-interest. And for one moment, you do what you perfectly believe God is calling you to do. None of this is hard, is it? But it's just a matter of us being aware and, and moving in that direction. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is big, okay, in that it's his way. It's not our way, isn't it? his way. And we know God's ways are not necessarily our ways. I mean, I'm sure we all have solutions for God, and I'm sure we all offer them up to him, right? We want to help him out, okay, in case he doesn't get this right the first time, right? But we need to be willing to take the chance to desire what God wants for us. And isn't that exactly what happened with the Hans? They're a perfect example. I can't even imagine when Dr. Scott became a Catholic what was going on in Kimberly? Holy mackerel. And some of you have experienced that yourselves. It wasn't her will. She was open. God bless her to accept the grace of what God had for her. And now, look at the fruit. It was an uncomfortable time, obviously, for them. But the fruit for them, not only personally, but their family and beyond, Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness for their yes, because we have all benefited from that. So I remember when I was in Poland in 2001, it was to celebrate the first Divine Mercy Sunday that when it was on the liturgical calendar. And the thing is, I asked the Lord why I was there, because the previous year my husband had had a very serious surgery. I had to be by his side 24-7. I mean, it was it was a major year for us. But I found myself... <laughs> halfway around the world in Poland for this Divine Mercy Sunday, I just kept asking the Lord. I'm sure he got sick and tired of hearing me. Why again am I here? Why again am I here? You know, I can thank you from California, you know. Do I have to really come to Poland to thank you? And I'll never forget. It was just as clear as could be. He said, I call you to be uncomfortable for me. I have to say, and I think back on that, I don't know how i made the decision to go other than i was must have been flooded with his grace to get on that airplane but that's what i heard him say and i'll never forget it if you haven't already read that book holy moments matthew shares some real pearls as he usually does he says god always has our best interest in mind prayer is guided action prayer guided action is powerful Seek God's counsel before you act. Now, we're talking individual lives. We're talking ministry. We're talking everything, right? The Holy Spirit yearns, I love this, to coach, to mentor, to advise and guide you in every moment of your life. Isn't that beautiful? I used to think that I shouldn't bother God because he has a few things to do and that I would just save the big stuff for him. And now I realize he wants to know everything, exactly, the minuscule, and he does, and he seems to enjoy it. That's what's amazing. It's not that we don't know this, but we easily forget and get distracted, don't we? So the world is trying to get our attention, you know this, and monopolize our time. And that's why in your service team meetings, we always encourage you to start with prayer. Not a prayer, but praying in the spirit to seek God's will. This is where the gifts of the Spirit are so important, ladies and gentlemen, because we're not working on our own strength. We're working on God's strength, and we need to seek Him. It's time well spent. I remember Mother Teresa when folks had asked her, why do you spend so much time in prayer? And some of the quotes that I had looked up, the one said, if her sisters didn't take the time to pray, they wouldn't be able to do their work at all. They said it was only because of that time in prayer that they were able to do those acts of love and acts of service. And we know the kind of work that the Daughters of Charity have done. And particularly, we know, you know, like in India, that would take a real grace to deal with the situations that they encountered. But they did, and so beautifully. And look at the way their community has grown. The other thing in this book of holy moments, Matthew had mentioned that each day is a frustrated attempt for some. To put together the jigsaw puzzle of life without the crucial pieces. Well, what's happening, one of the key crucial pieces is God. Because what's happening, our culture, as he goes on to say, is exiling God, religion, and spirituality. Does that sound familiar? So no wonder there's so many people that are confused and they can't get that puzzle of life put together, right? The more disconnected from God... Our lives become the more meaningless life becomes and just think of what we hear and see around us right now suicide is at an all-time high from what I'm told and see and read that is a loss of hope that is a loss of purpose we cannot live a meaningful life by filling our life with trivial things and meaningless activities It is time to stop searching for worldly solutions to spiritual problems. Living a less distracted life is the path to peace and happiness. No time, like the present, reprioritize what's important. Now we need to reprioritize. God loves us. God loves each and every one of you, and he loves Magnificat so much that he has brought talented, gifted women a very generous spirits uh, together, and you wonder why you're here? That's you. You're these gifted, talented, generous, faith-filled women. We hear a litany of reasons why people don't want to get involved with this, that, and the other these days, and especially in ministry. I've heard more and more, you know, people say, well, I don't have any experience, or I'm not qualified, or I'm not worthy. Love that one. Who's worthy in this room? Please raise your hand. I almost laughed when uh, Matthew said, God almost never chooses the most qualified person or the people in positions of power and authority. He says, God chooses people nobody would expect. Believe me, ladies, I never expected to be standing here. Okay. I love when he goes on to say, no special qualifications are necessary. <laughs> okay. We know and when he calls people, he qualifies the called. Isn't that the epitome, again, if I can do all things in God who strengthens us? Jesus looked at all of us. I personally love the, the saying where nothing is impossible with God. And that's Matthew nineteen twenty six. He says in Scripture, for human beings, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. And we need to remember that. And that is why we are called to be people of hope, belief that good things lay ahead. The joy of the Lord is our strength, as Nehemiah tells us. And you won't have the joy unless you intimately know the Lord. You may remember at our conference in 2019, Karen Dwyer from our Omaha chapter and her husband Larry generously donated for all the attendees that year the book called Wrap Yourself in Scripture. Well, now she has a book called Wrap Yourself in Joy. And when I was seeing that and kind of perusing some of the materials, I saw the subtitle, which I love, says, find the joy and fight the fear. Amen. You're right. Exactly. Amen. I mention this because the Lord tells us repeatedly in scripture, be not afraid. We should not be operating on fear because fear is going to want to shut us down, isn't it? Not raise us up. The evil one is incapable. The evil one is incapable of duplicating joy. Joy cannot be counterfeited because it's the very authentic presence of God. So of course we would want to follow the joy, wouldn't we? So thank you Father Tom for following the joy, pedicure and all. (laughs) And that's why we have hope. And of course even Father Bow's testimony, I mean his whole family, he had every reason to lose hope, but they didn't you hang on to that hope because the catechism tells us in 1817 tells us the opposite of hope is what? Depression, despair, anxiety. I mean, look what's happening. That is not hope. That's why we need to be that beacon of hope for our people. And so it should be pretty obvious to us why the evil one wants to rob us of that hope. Satan is the father of all lies you need to understand especially being in ministry he is hot on your trail he wants to push your hot buttons constantly you are the daughter of the king you are baptized in the authority of the lord you just rebuke him and you need to become vigilant and understand and recognize his presence you can feel the lack of peace can't you When you know that he's there, just like the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. Don't hesitate to do that, ladies. We've got to start paying attention for our own well-being and that around us. It's not enough to know the Lord. Satan knows who he is. We need to be willing to make him the Lord, the Lord of our lives. And that means every knee shall bend. We all have read that scripture. Every knee shall bend, every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we can't do that without whom? The Holy Spirit. Exactly. Do you think the Holy Spirit's important? You betcha he is. The scripture again about you are the light of the world, a city set on the mountain. You've heard this. We've shared it with you in some of the presentations that you need to allow your light to shine. We have been repeatedly getting this scripture. It continues. The Lord has indicated he does not want Magnificat to be under the bushel basket. He doesn't want it to be hidden. He wants it to be on that lampstand to shine. He wants your light to dispel the darkness. We have heard over and over again that Magnificat truly is for such a time as this, and I have to believe that that's pretty right on. We are trying to create those spirit-filled meetings in today's world by providing the opportunities for women to grow closer to God and with one another. This ministry is for women of all ages, with all backgrounds, with a desire to foster growth in holiness. This is a calling, ladies. It is much more than a nice women's group meeting for brunch or lunch. The stakes are much higher, and so are the challenges. But persevere, because this holy work is not for the faint of heart, but the grace of God, you can do it. God anoints the appointed, and therefore it is imperative that women become impregnated with the spirit of the gospel because it's through that we can do much in helping mankind from falling. We heard that. We know that's from the Council message. This means you and me. We're all in this together, and we can do this. God has entrusted us to do this. In fact, Archbishop Fulton Sheen says, to a great extent, the level of any civilization is the level of its womanhood. We bring the truth in a sweetness. We read that in the Council. You can bring truth to people in sweetness. Truth and love, we've been talking about that. So all of this is about relationships relationship, 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 ours with the Lord, with one another, and beyond. It goes back to no matter where you are in your journey, God is calling us to an intimate relationship with him, and he's calling us to go deeper. I don't care where you are. I've mentioned to some of you, you might be right there at the process of canonization. Until you go through those pearly gates, he keeps calling us into a deeper relationship. He's a jealous God, and he wants all of us, so he wants us to be there for him. We can't give what we don't have. This conference, this weekend, this gathering, this visitation is about a new personal Pentecost. Would you agree? Fanning that flame within us. We need sparks to ignite that fire. I love Fulton Sheen said, The humble, simple souls who are little enough to see the bigness of God in the littleness of a babe and therefore the only ones who will ever understand the reason of his visitation. There's something special about being little, isn't there? He came to this poor earth of ours to carry on an exchange, the uh, archbishop said, to say to us, as only the good God could say, you give me your humanity, and I will give you my divinity. You give me your time, and I will give you my eternity. You give me your broken heart, and I will give you love. You give me your nothingness, and I will give you my all. It is our hope that each of us travel this road to holiness and that you may be that light in the darkness. Your gifts of spirit and and of joy, generosity, patience, love are an encouragement to all of those around you. Do not be afraid to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Seek out his wisdom. Be attentive to the choices that you make. Make them to be holy choices and not choices that you regret. Follow his prompting and ultimately by our behavior in trying to follow the example of the Blessed Mother in her trust and humility and obedience, we will be good role models in our own personal circle of family and friends and community. And that ripples out, doesn't it? We can be that light. We can touch hearts. We can help influence lies. I've said before, and interestingly enough, it was said this morning. In, In fact, I think in the prophecy, as I recall. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Important to remember as well. We need to keep the goal in sight. Where we ultimately want to be is with the Lord for all eternity. So let's help one another in that process. Make those good to choices so that we can enjoy the heavenly banquet table together forever. As Bishop Tubes tells us, siempre adelante, always forward. So remember, exhort is to strongly encourage or urge someone to do something. So let us this weekend be the strong catalyst to move you forward in your relationship with the Lord no matter, again, where you are currently in your journey and your walk. We need to remember the Lord is calling us out of our comfort zones. That sometimes can be challenging, but he's calling us to be uncomfortable for him. He has told us in prayer. He has given us all that we need. Now is the time to just do it. Become all the closer to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Not only for ourselves, but again, for our loved ones who depend upon us. And what I love is that whether they know it or not, and whether they accept it or not, you're called to speak the truth in love. Parting Wisdom, Mother Teresa. She says, people are often unreasonable. She says, irrational and self-centered. But she says, forgive them anyway. She says, if you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. She says, If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spent years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. But be happy anyway the good you do today will often be forgotten do good anyway and give the best you have and it will never be enough give your best anyway and she says in the final analysis it's between you and God it was never between you and them anyway so brothers and sisters Always take the high road I encourage you always take the high road and never give up Don't hide your light under a bushel basket use your gifts be courageous have holy boldness speak the truth in love Be not afraid exist to evangelize be doers of the word and do whatever he tells you I trust you will be happy to hear one day when the Lord says to you well done my good and faithful servant or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.